0: days of Premier League football go for Norwich City that was pretty miserable all round. Uh, welcome to this week's Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast. Uh, we are back in the office a, a couple of hours after the full-time whistle to dissect not just on the game we're also going to do a segment on uh, that Stuart Weber interview I'm sure the one that yeah, you're You'll know what I'm talking about. And also that Stuart Weber video. So um, plenty of Stuart Weber themed discussion to to come in the second half of the show. Uh, My name's Conor Southwell, joined by Paddy Dowett and Adam Harvey. Uh, The show is brought to you, of course, as ever, in association with Future Radio as well. Um, Paddy, how to sum that up other than a sigh, really? It was a miserable afternoon. It was a... Uh, difficult afternoon Carrow Road by the final whistle Was was near empty Even the booze were half-hearted It was a pretty desperate afternoon Wasn't it?
1: Oh yeah, there's no two ways about it um, You know, it's funny It's actually just this very second You saying that It's popped into my head again And the parallel is the scoreline But uh, cast your minds back Japs to the um, Alex Neal season uh, Roughly this probably there's a few more games left in that season. I think it was fifteen, sixteen off the top of my head. And the Sunderland game. And it was the same result, wasn't it? 3-0 to Sunderland that day. But and then, as it was another team from the North East. But just that sense of utter deflation and you know, something seriously wrong in terms of the what as Dean Smith alluded to after the game, the culture, you know, within that group, the the lack of fight, the lack of spirit, um you said on the walk back from, from the ground we're here at Arch and HQ, you know, that was probably the first or the closest they've come to maybe raising that mythical white flag that Dean Smith has spoken about before. And Daniel Farkin, to be fair, used to use that terminology as well. And, yeah, when the game, as we'll get into, sort of got to sort of 1-0, 2-0, and then 3-0 short after the half-time, it was, um, yeah, it was a very... Uh, it was a very uh, uncomfortable place to be, and it and and if it if it had got even worse, then those remaining people in the stadium, I'm sure, would have expressed their views. And as we as you said rightly, we'll get into an altercation, a verbal altercation, with the sporting director after the game. So you know that that in itself, I oh know it's not on the same scale, but evokes really desperate memories of regimes past, and um, Norwich fans being very unhappy with what they're seeing. And um, yeah it's a club that feels like there's a bit of an end of an era to it and uh you know in the short term it means it's nailed on now relegation to the from the Premier League as it was prior to today really that hasn't materially changed but it's how do they turn this around now because it feels like a massive um, reset is required, both within the football inside and Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare and that group of players and how they refresh that, but also increasingly now off it in terms of the leadership and the direction from the sporting director and, you know, summer might not be long enough to, to, to sort of unpick all of that. So today was probably just a culmination of, you know, a, f- a period of time where they're on a downward cycle now as a football club and, and can they pull it back round in the time they need to 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 be ready to go next season but you know two hours or so after the final whistle it feels like a pretty depressing place to be anywhere around Norwich City at the minute
0: Yeah it does and uh, I guess the aim now as you you say is to make sure that those wounds aren't too deep and and they aren't beyond repair and that is going to be the challenge and, and probably going to shape a lot of the discussion in in the second half of uh, of the pod. I mean, Adam, we, we, were, we were sat at Cow Road a couple of weeks ago after Burnley. Um, ironically, we chose the game that they won not to do a podcast, which uh, you know, <laughs> might be a mistake if that's the last one that they managed to do this season. But, I mean, we were at Old Trafford last week and, uh, and I think you could kind of strip the individual mistakes out of it and say that was a very promising Norwich City performance as it was against Burnley. And for the opening 25, maybe even 30 minutes of this game, it felt like, Norwich were on top, and there was an intensity to their play. And this was a group of players determined to show that they were keen to go out on a on a on a high. I suppose if there is such a way to do that in relegation, but there was all the elements there that maybe we'd seen from Old Trafford, the positive things. But as soon as they went a goal down, it uh, it unravelled and it unravelled pretty quickly. To, to from a stage where from 35 minutes it was nil 0 and Norwich were, were well in the game to 51 minutes, then being
2: three 0 down. I think that's probably where fans' frustrations are. I mean, you look back at that Burnley game, and as you say, even last week, there was sort of elements of Norwich's game where they were showing that fight and that spirit. When even if we are going to go down, and that obviously was still the case at Old Trafford and the Burnley game, that fight and you know fans can get behind that because at least they've got something to cling on to—that little bit of hope maybe for next season—that Dean Smith is starting to put a stamp on this squad, and there's you know sort of that elements of um, positives that you can probably take. And as you you know you allude to it, if there's a way to go down and in these last sort of five, six games, you just want to see Norwich fight battle and and give it all their go and, you know, Newcastle, you know, obviously everyone knows they're backed by by the Saudi Arabian, you know, entity and and they've got all this money and they've spent spent big in, in January and everyone probably expects Newcastle to win that game today anyway, just, you know, the fact they're on good run of form and they're, you know, a very good outfit but Norwich battled for the first 30 minutes and I think yeah, there was, you know, a lot of positives in the game and, and the fans actually did get behind that. I thought there was a little bit more atmosphere in the stadium today in uh, sort of that first 30 minutes and then as soon as the first goal goes in you just kind of feel like Norwich roll over and and the midfield were just getting overran and you just, uh, obviously mistakes. Last week obviously we saw the, with Ben Gibson also getting dropped today but yet again mistakes in in the game and at Premier League level you just can't do that. I mean that's just so basic I think even... When you're at school, you're taught not to sort of make those kind of silly errors, and Norwich are doing that far too frequently. And, and you know that's what they've done again today, and it's why they've been beaten comfortably. and And a lot of the sort of frustrations and the anger of the fans after the game is is rightfully rightfully there.
0: Yeah, and, and I think you know to an extent, people make mistakes. Human beings make mistakes. I make mistakes in this job. Uh, other people, people listening, will make mistakes in in their job. But the regularity that they've arrived this season, and I suppose it's the element that we're seeing mistakes that wouldn't just get punished at Premier League level, Paddy. They'd also get punished at Championship level or they'd get punished if you were playing at a park on a Sunday morning. There, We're seeing really bad errors, aren't we? And I think that is maybe rubbing salt into the wound along with all of those elements that Adam mentioned in terms of maybe players waving the the white flag a little bit when the, the second and third goals went in.
1: And also, like Adam points out, Ben Gibson last week, Manchester United today, Tim Krull, two very experienced, your leader sort of ship group ultimately and they're making mistakes and basic mistakes you know today's goal um you've either seen it already or, or by the time you've listened to this you, you you'll have caught up with the highlights if you wasn't at Car Road and just a simple pass edge of his box and again you know if that was if that was Norwich's under 18s playing on Saturday morning at Colney, um I'm sure that the the coaches would be uh would be seriously picking them up on it so for it to happen at the highest level by experienced senior players. Um, and Dean Smith, again, I keep referencing what was a very illuminating post-match press conference from him, really. He said he's been in charge for 21 games or so now, and and those errors have been pretty pretty much consistent. That's one of the few things Norwich have been consistent at, is making them top of the ricks. Um, and if that is the case, then, as he said, it's it's a culture that needs to change, and within that, you probably need to change the personnel, because... Um how many chances can you give these players? You know, this season is gone, sadly, but even before today it was about what next, what what looks what comes over the hill and um and I don't think there's players who are on this journey who have been on this journey who can remain on this journey. So um you know, that's for another day obviously, but yeah, fundamentally I mean, it was interesting, I'll go back to that third goal, because again, it just popped into my head. I looked, I don't know why, but it was, my eye was drawn to the technical area. And when that ball hit the back of the net from Guimaraes, just dinking it over Tim Cruel after him and Kenny McLean have combined to really gift the third goal for Newcastle, the match-sealing goal, Dean Smith has this look of anguish, is how I'd describe it. He's, he's put his hands to the back of his head, almost like what have I just seen? You know, What have I just seen from a team who are going out there now? And as I put in my pointers, this is his team now. I know it's not the personnel that he would have maybe gone out and brought in. He inherited them, obviously. But fundamentally, after 20-odd games, that is his team now on the park. And they're not really representing him in a very positive light at the minute. And uh, he must feel that embarrassment, ultimately, that Newcastle, I think that was their 10th, unbelievably but that was their 10th win I think since the turn of the year in the Premier League uh, you know credit irrespective of the money that's been pumped in and Guimara obviously 35 million pounds reportedly from Leon in, in, in that January window but they won't have had an easier three points than than, than the ones that were gifted to them at Road and sadly we've said that too often and um, when it is your senior players is it any wonder he's putting his hands to his head because you're relying on particularly when you're down the bottom and you're scrapping and fighting and trying to get anything of a positive nature, you re- I'm sure he would rely on a cruel, a Hanley, a Gibson. Um, and sadly, too many of those are letting him down and letting themselves down. And uh, yeah, as I say, today feels like a um, a new low and, and hopefully it is it mar- marks a watershed. You know, Dean Smith went into the game talking about we're, we're scenario planning for plan A, plan B, plan whatever. Well, I think they need to now pull together the plan for we're going to get relegated. What does... The championship look like in terms of moving forward because, you know, is it, for me it's where the fan base are now because they, they there's a lot of talk about being feeling disconnected and, and they you know they can't relate to what they're seeing and you know that's a dangerous place to be if if you've if you've lost large clumps of your fan base um very hard to bring them back on side as quickly as Norwich need to do it. Yes,
0: absolutely, and I, I want to come back to those words that Dean Smith used losing culture I mean a lot of a lot of these play- some of these players would have been involved two years ago Adam I mean there's, there's probably a wider discussion that we can have about Norwich City's existence in the Premier League I cast my mind back to Jamal Lewis of, of all people who obviously wasn't involved in Newcastle today but is a Newcastle player his quotes right at the start of the season um, it was I'm, I'm paraphrasing here but it was along the lines of if you lose at Newcastle it's a big deal there's an inquest if it, if it happens at Norwich it's kind of okay move on then so do you think there's a mentality shift that needs to happen not just from this group of players but from the club generally about its existence in the Premier League because it, it it feels like it gives off the air and maybe fans will agree with this of just being grateful to be there and and if you're going to stay in the Premier League it needs to be more than that doesn't it?
2: I go back to those quotes of Stuart Webb when he first arrived obviously he wants to be a top 26 club and, and that's still talked about these days obviously that has shifted to a, a top 17 club but effectively Norwich have never proved themselves to be a top 17 club other than those few sort of years under Lambert and then Houghton and I just think it is I mean he said it obviously in his post-match press conference today it's just far too easy I mean Norwich anyone who rocks up to Carrow Road in the Premier League probably expects to come away with three points and yeah I think obviously that does bring in the debate of ownership and are Norwich financially capable of competing at Premier League level but I think there's still a way, you know, just fighting on the pitch and and there's got to be sort of, you know, recruitment's got to be improved. That's obviously, fr- well, there's always been a flaw in, in Norwich's Premier League seasons. I just don't think they've ever really got recruitment right other than that first season under under Lambert. So I think there is a lot of issues, but yeah, within the club, it's almost as if there's not this belief that they can stay at prem- in the Premier League and, and they can be a Premier League outfit. But there's other clubs in the past that have proved they can do that. I mean, teams like Bournemouth, Norwich are... In my eyes, a lot bigger club than Bournemouth. Yet Bournemouth spent, what, six, seven seasons there. So why can't Norwich do that? And obviously, there is the element of money. But I just think, yeah, it is probably deeper within the club that there's just not a belief that they can actually stay there. Do you agree with that, Pad? I mean, it's,
0: it, it, I mean, the, I'm just trying to sink in that. I mean, Smith saying that his group have a losing culture, he leads that group. I mean, that's, that's pretty damning, isn't it? And on his group of players. But in the club more widely, do you get this sense of acceptance? of Norwich going down I mean we'll come back to this Stuart Weber interview in, in a little while but there's some quotes in there that maybe fans feel hint towards that on a wider scale mm. do you get that impression that there is an air of acceptance of Norwich City's place I suppose in the football pyramid
1: yeah I, I think that that is there I mean it's okay shifting the the, the, the metrics of we want to be top whatever but ultimately you see, have to believe it don't you you have to yeah you have to live it you have to feel that is the case you know it isn't about I mean a Stuart Weber. Uh, said when he walked in the door it was like slogans all over the place about I don't know I'm paraphrasing now like a best in class class or whatever and he just more or less said that was laughable how can you be best in class you've got porter cabins dotted around your training ground you've got this that the other Um, and again these slogans about we want to be top whatever that's fine but that actually has to be not just a mantra or something on a wall that has to be something they live all departments football and non-football side and I just think two seasons ago, that was such an unexpected elevation under Farker. Nobody at the start of that 18-19 season realistically felt Norwich would be in the Premier League. And, you know, is because there's still quite a few elements from that era, obviously Farker no longer, but in but ter- terms of in the playing staff and, and around the club, are still on on the same ride and you know is there some somewhere buried in in the subconscious that they still feel you know we're probably not worthy of being in the premier league and uh, you know we'll give it a go but if it doesn't come off well you know what do you expect it it's almost like you can use the self-funded model and the limitations in terms of the financial financial power that they've got relative to the rest of the teams in this league um is almost really a bit of an excuse and uh, it shouldn't be you know OK, you can you can take Newcastle out of the equation in terms of a comparative, but Brentford, you know, Brentford have spent money, but by no manner of means did they really outstrip Norwich in terms of what they spent in the summer window. And, uh, you know, they, they've done it in a, in a very astute way and are going to comfortably finish in the Premier League this season. It can be done. Sheffield United, who came up with Norwich two seasons ago, yes, I know they went back down uh, and landed with quite a heavy bump, but under Wilder... That was the same group of players, pretty much, wasn't it? That he had, uh, they, and probably where they went wrong thereafter in, in season two was they tried to go out and, and spend a few quid, the, the likes of Sander and what have you. Um, Ryan Brewster from Liverpool springs to mind. But, but again, you might not have liked how they went about it in terms of the style of football, but they were able, with pretty much the same group of players who came out of the Championship, to stay in the Premier League. Why are Norwich palpably now two seasons running at Premier League level, so far off it, so uncompetitive, um, there has to be something inherently wrong with that word we keep talking about, culture. And that that isn't just about a losing culture in terms of players. That's also the culture around the place. You know, do they honestly, as Dean Smith more or less accused them of post-match, do they believe they belong in the Premier League because they're not showing that they feel they belong, whether on or off the park. And, uh, you know... That I'm afraid will continue to to dog them until and if they get into the Premier League and can stay beyond you know a 12 month stay.
0: Yeah, and I think the the most damning thing. I mean, we've we've already said it. I think in all but maths, Norwich City are relegated, aren't they? Um, uh, and that's reflected. But people will look at at the teams in and around them at the moment. Watford, Burnley, Everton. These are teams that haven't been great this season, and Norwich City have been not just worse, but in terms of the the numbers significantly worse whether it's whether it's maybe they're close on points to Watford but they've scored nine goals fewer than Watford they've, they've conceded the most goals in the division I mean Dean Smith this going back to this phrase losing culture Dean Smith's post-match interview I mean you almost wonder if you caught him in a very quiet moment what he'd have to say about taking this job in the in the first place but you know publicly and that's all we can base it on he's he's always been very uh, enthusiastic I think about the job in the long term the the fact that there is probably a little bit of a a project here and he sees that but do you you think given what he said in his post-match tonight Adam that he is reaching conclusions about which players he wants next season and and beyond do do you think he's getting to that stage now where he's kind of putting ticks and crosses next to those who he
2: feels can be a part of what's next? Yeah, I was interested, he's still sort of stated out, the lone players are Norwich City players and they were brought in this season to play for Norwich and therefore they still are a Norwich player till the end of the season. But you got to feel like today the substitutions he's made, I mean, obviously John Rowe's been coming on quite frequently now for a couple of months and I think he probably is the kind of player, same with Jollis, that he needs to be forefront in now for the last five games to to really get them into this, bed them into the team and, and maybe give them the kind of instructions that he's going to want from them next season. And again, they're going to have a little bit of freedom because Norwich are probably going to be relegated within the next couple of games. So there's not really going to be anything to play for, not that there is at the moment. But um, I just think that's probably, it it is probably going to start planning for it. Obviously, we know the meetings have been going on in in the background in terms of planning. And I think realistically, they wouldn't be planning for a Premier League season. They'd They'd know full well where they're going to be. And, the one bonus is, you know, that Dean Smith knows how to get out of the championship in the same way that Daniel Farker did. Obviously, he'd done it at Aston Villa and I think, obviously, he's going to change the playing style and and probably build them so when they hopefully do come back up, they're going to be a little bit more prepared to, to play the football that maybe is a little bit more defensive-minded, but just being a little bit more resolute and, and trying to sort of... Yeah, just build a style that's more capable of playing in the Premier League, which I think we have seen glimpses of, you know, over the course of Dean Smith's reign, but... Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be an interesting summer, and, and Norwich have really got to get it recruitment wise right and give Dean Smith a little bit more power, I think, just to kind of get the players that he wants and mold the team that he wants to, to hopefully bring back to to the Premier League for the season after. Yeah, I mean, uh,
0: I think back to the pop we did after Brighton pad, and you know we we were we were fairly critical, I think, of uh, maybe not of Dean Smith as uh, as a coach or anything like that, but certainly about what Norwich City were on the pitch and what they looked like on the pitch at that stage. But actually, you put it in the context of the last two games against Manchester United, where you see Ben Gibson uh, hesitate, give the ball away to, to Anthony Alanga, who then squares for Cristiano Ronaldo. You see today Tim Krull, who I think, in fairness, uh, Gimarese is blocked by, by, I think, one of the defenders. But even so, it's it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a nightmare pass. It's a, a horrible mistake. You could look at the, the one for the first goal as well, which is just a, a catalogue of errors, really. No amount of coaching from anyone can account for individual errors. And this is this is kind of where maybe you come back round to feeling a little bit, well, feeling sympathy for for Dean Smith because ultimately he is he's trying to get a tune out of a group of players that have proven in 33 games this season that they're not good enough for this level.
1: And, and that's what it boils down to. You know, it it's the cliche, but the table d- doesn't and will not lie and it does, doesn't lie at the minute as we look at it now in front of us. You know, 33 games, they've won five. 22 goals scored. I mean that to me is pitiful, and and that's with a guy who's in double figures. And they've
0: sorry, but they've they've scored as many goals as games lost this season.
1: Exactly, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, just it, I just want to narrow it down today. I mean, Mila Rashita. What have we seen from him? He was completely anonymous, and and you know he's coming to Norwich having been part of a relegation in the Bundesliga with Werder Bremen, and uh, you know. For all his promise, what have we seen tangible in terms of productivity? Yes, he's weighed in with a few assists, but he's got one goal scored at Liverpool. Um, not good enough. Nowhere near good enough. You know, I thought Matthias Norman today for twenty twenty five minutes was was the, the, as good as there was in in Norwich colours. You know, he was on the ball. He was making things happen. Played a lovely ball through to to Kieran Dowell, who, who should at least get there on target. Um, he, he then kind of took a blow on the top of his right foot, just in front of the dugouts, and um, took five minutes or so to get back on the pitch, and then we never saw him again. He just faded into into the the, the midst of time, you know. And that isn't good, that isn't good enough, you know. You talked about the first and the third goal. The second goal for me was more telling because Newcastle just popped around. It was like a training ground drill, and Norwich were mannequins. You know that the amount of. Um, compliance and lack of willingness to press you know Newcastle popped off about I don't know four or five passes just at either side of the halfway line and then a ball threaded through and it was almost Jacob Murphy was fighting his own man to get on the ball you know like the sea parted and yes there was a a very fortuitous um, sort of way the ball squirmed to Joe Linton from Grant Hanley's last ditch block but the damage was in prior to and if you're not showing the desire and the appetite to go and press when you're 1-0 down at that stage um you know, it it, 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 it. I don't think it's a quality issue with some of these players because th- there is quality amongst them, but the mentality is wrong. The, 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 w- the unwillingness to roll your sleeves up. I mean, they they come back from two goals the previous weekend against Manchester United, but they're quite clearly a similar squ- squad in terms of their brittleness, yeah. in terms of the, um, the, the desire or lack of. So I wouldn't read too much into a comeback against that that team. Um, but there was no prospect of that happening against a Newcastle squad with, with their tails up and uh, and there hasn't been for, for the majority of these games you know when they've fallen behind they've really not looked capable of a mustering enough quality even though there is quality there in this group but more tellingly more worryingly and more accusatory maybe the fight the character the spirit the will to resist to, to face adversity and come through it you know the that isn't there in, in enough quantities and that's quite an indictment on this group of players and you're right Dean Smith what can he do if that toxicity is there in this group ultimately you know he 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 can tweak things on the training ground and has done it seemingly um, and, he, and as I say the first three games and then the first 25 minutes today you know the shape was robust enough to create chances to cause problems so and the players within the shape, you know, there, there was there was again, you know, ample threat. But then it subsided so quickly that, you know, ultimately it doesn't matter what you do in terms of shape and personnel if people aren't willing to close players down and 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 uh, you know, actually want to fight for a cause. Then it's irrelevant how good a coach Dean Smith is. And and I think that's why maybe today for the first time publicly we've seen that him openly admit that. We're gonna to have to change these, some of these players, and, and obviously there'll be a natural sort of turnover, and the low, those line players will go back, and uh, there'll be others move on. But but it, it feels like it needs a turnover because um, you know if you've got those negative elements in this group of players, then you know when the adversity comes in the championship, will they fold again rather than fight? And um, you know it's sad to see because for, for, for some of these players, it probably is the end of the line, and and they've been good servants to Norwich. But ultimately, time moves on and, um, and their time is done, I'm afraid, for, for some of these players. And uh, you just hope that Dean Smith gets the backing and then they're able to do what they need to do because it feels like an injection is badly needed.
0: Yeah, do you, do you know what summed it up for, for me? It was that period in the second half where Newcastle were just knocking the ball around, yeah. no pressure, their fans are, are, are O'Lean in the away end. And... That was
1: 55 minutes in, Connor. I know yeah. that because I put out my pointers. 55 minutes into a game, you're an away fan. You are at an away ground. You are three 0 up, and you are able to get away with that. I mean, what does that say? But the more concerning element is there is not an attempt from anyone in yellow
0: and green to break it up, to commit a foul, to press. Yeah. Yeah. There is an acceptance, isn't there? Yeah. It's, it's an acceptance of the situation. Yeah, a resignation to what the situation was. I mean, Adam, to, to throw that over to you. I mean, and Dean Smith referenced it as well, and I always think it's, it's quite lazy when you hear people are ah, well they're they're in a they're at the bottom of the table, they're losing games, they didn't get a single yellow card, but It does lean into kind of what we're we're discussing here about this resignation that happened. And as Paddy mentioned, it wasn't 85 minutes in, it wasn't 90 minutes in, it was 55 minutes in. It was after the second goal, really. I think Tim Krull said a couple of weeks ago, might have even been after the Brighton game, if this Norwich City team can see the goal, that does seem to
2: be game over. It's just to me there's no real characters amongst this group. There's no one you kinda of look to and think, Yeah, he's gonna really galvanize us and, and make us turn this game round. I mean, you know, you've maybe got a Tim Krull or a Grant Hanley, but I don't even think they're being as voicerous on the pitch at the moment and, and really making a point and it just feels like it was just like today. You know, as soon as they go on down, they just roll over and it's a bit like, yeah, go on, have a few more goals and, and let your fans your away fans from you the know, opposition team enjoy their day out of Cow Road and and it is really hard and disappointing from a from a fan's perspective that you are a Norwich fan, you go to Cow Road and you just go in there almost accepting that Norwich are gonna do that and, and I just think yeah, it all boils back down to the culture of just accepting that Norwich aren't able to compete at this level and yeah, it's really it's just disappointing. I think that's all I can really say about it. It's just it's just such an acceptance that we aren't capable of competing and, and I don't really see that changing until something deeper within the club whether that be a, a complete changeover of players and, and maybe a, some like Dean Smith bringing them back up and hopefully making them a stronger outfit to compete uh, yeah it just feels at the moment that there's such a sort of loss of connection between fans and, and, and the players on the pitch and, and the players aren't capable of getting each other up let alone the fans and that's yeah it just feels like there just needs to be a bit of a change I think the the frustration from my perspective
0: is you at the start of the season, you heard everyone talk about Norwich City and it, it was quite lazy assumptions, a lot of them. But the general point was that, oh, it's Norwich. They'll go straight back down. They won't even make a ripple. It'll be what it usually is. It'll be a relegation where, as we say, the white flags are waved and, and nobody barely notices. And I think from Norwich fans' perspective, from our perspective, you're trying to kind of change that narrative and, and explain why that's not going to be the case this time and actually they've just fallen into all of those assumptions haven't they they've made it the point where Norwich fans now can't feel like they can defend them and that's, that's quite a sad position to be in and you know throughout this season I've often joked that it's a shame they haven't had to play this Norwich team twice but uh, who knows um, yeah, it's, it's a, a disappointing afternoon of, of football We live Norwich City The builder right The passion yeah the drama the last minute winners the debate that's why we've created Pink and Plus Plus.
1: the app that takes you beyond the headlines with exclusive columns, blogs, podcasts and videos, we've got you covered (laughs) subscribe today, Pink and Plus stay ahead of the game
0: download now on the App Store and on Google Play which probably lends us nicely on to the elements that happened around the day and and probably the day of, of the sporting director. Um, I, I'd like to say he's had quieter, probably better days from, from, from his perspective. I mean, if we start with that interview, Paddy, I mean, it's an interview that um, came out in in the Times, I think it was last night, but most people would have seen it this morning. Um, and we're going to dissect some of the quotes within there uh, in a little bit more detail in a moment. But I think it's important for us to preface this by saying we have asked to speak to Stuart Webber. We were told that he wouldn't be doing anything until relegation was confirmed. So I think this has caught us by a little bit of surprise as well. Although, of course, he has been uh, launching his, his charity this week, which is probably uh, a lot of why that Times interview happened. Um Paddy, I mean, this has clearly rubbed Norwich fans up the wrong way. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to pick some lines in it and we'll put them in, into context in a little bit more detail. My life isn't to appease Norwich fans. Um, he, he also went on to say that if 90% of me isn't enough, it's fine because I'm ready to walk out the door. I'm ready for the next stage of my life. Uh, there was the quote as well about not getting angry or upset about relegation. Again, we'll put those in context in a moment, but this isn't what... Norwich fans want to hear from the person leading their club when we talk about culture, we talk about a losing culture and we maybe talk about this football club as in general in the Premier League. I mean, if this was a player saying this, it would be pretty damning. The fact it's a sporting director makes it maybe slightly more damning.
1: Well, he is the figurehead and very definitely the figurehead um, if you observe in from close quarters and and to be emitting that kind of shrugging the shoulders almost um, feeling around it when they are where they are, which is not what anybody connected with Norwich would have hoped for this season. Um, it does feed into that feeling of happy to just sort of bob along, really. And that's probably as far removed from where Stuart Webber is at and has been at since he arrived here because you you do see the drive and the energy that has, you know, look look at the transformation around the training ground we talked about it earlier you know it, Porter Cabin Central it was now it's uh, a very 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 uh, elite environment and, and 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 the culture there is you know progressive but again you know <laughs> talking of that they've spent hundreds of thousands on a, a device called the soccer bot and um, you know that might look like techn- technologically leading the way the only club in England but now we're in the context of a losing team it you know it it just opens up the criticism and maybe ridiculed in some quarters. Um, certainly if you watch them trying to pass a ball on occasion, yeah, you'd wonder if they've ever actually opened the doors and gone in there. But uh, my take on it all, well, ultimately, since he walked through the door in 2017, he has, in his view, always delivered the unvarnished truth and brutal honesty and brutal being the operative word. And, and people have taken it at face value and, and, on occasion, more than on occasion, probably had their backs put up. So this interview isn't a departure from how he conducts every other interview. It is the same, unvarnished. This is me. Take it or leave it. This is what you get. Attitude. Um, so I'm not surprised that the you know the the tone of it, uh, the voice of it. I think the timing of it is horrendous. You know, to come out as it has done on the eve of this game when they still materially had an opportunity to, you know fight their corner and, and take this a bit longer anyway, at least, or prolong it at least. Um, because anybody who cared to sort of venture onto social media in the hours leading up to the game, it was universally critical of him and what he was saying and and people obviously dissecting the, the soundbite elements of it that, you know, probably not so much the context of it, but what, why create that negativity around the place? And of course then, it, you know, it bleeds into uh, a very very, very dispiriting performance on the pitch and and then events thereafter. So, ultimately, the 90% thing, I think that's been taken out of context. I mean, does anybody think that man works nine to five with an hour's lunch break? You know, he is a workaholic by common consent, you know, and as he says, I think, in that article, you know, if I'm doing some physical training for his his various climbs at 5.30 in the morning or or 10pm at night, then... You can rest assured that in the intervening period his focus is fully on norwich city so i don't I don't buy the ninety percent line it it's you know it's an easy one to jump on and, and hit him round the head with but I think the bigger the biggest issue I have with it apart from the timing um is that bits and pieces around why he's still here that that ultimately when his contract was running to an end and you know, he was clearly thinking, I'm going to move on now. That's what he'd said all along. I won't sign another deal. I'll, I'm going, that's it. Um, and he stayed. And, you know, he's he's made it quite clear in that article uh, and in a few of the forums that I've heard him speak um, that ultimately it didn't come down to money. It just came down to him being allowed the opportunity to go and pursue what for him has been a bit of a lifetime ambition um, to, to go and do these these climbs leading up to, an a up Everest. Um but that, unfortunately, perception is everything, particularly in this world of social media. And Lord knows, we've seen that today um, in terms of Stuart Weber and social media and how it can be a feeding frenzy both before and after the game. But it just feeds this perception that, well, is he is he not really fully plugged into it now? Is he just going through the motions a degree? Is he almost you know shrugs his shoulders and it? Well, it doesn't really bother me. It doesn't really hurt me. Um, I could move on any time. You know, all of that. Is is very toxic, and, and and given he is the figurehead and he's driving this whole club from top to bottom, football side, non football side, it all flows back to Stuart Webber ultimately, um, to feel or to have that sense that he's not really the the kind of this is the fully focus of my life. This is what I'm all about now. You know, yes, I have a family, obviously, but 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 I live, breathe, sleep, eat, think about sleep. When I'm thinking, uh, when I'm sleeping, I'm probably still mulling over Norwich City. You know, it it conveys the impression that he isn't anymore, and that you know his attention is elsewhere. And I think that's a very dangerous thing um, t- for for him to be perceived that it's almost like I'm I'm here, but I'm not really here. You know, and um, I'm sure he would argue vociferously that or vehemently that that isn't the case. But an interview of that nature with those type of sound bites, it does nothing to sort of dispute. Or dispel the idea that you know if he went tomorrow, would would he be bothered? And uh, and that's a sad sad way if it is going to unravel in this this regard. And um, and it's he's basically given anybody who was very anti him anyway, you know, mainly maybe over the the lack of astuteness around the recruitment last summer going into the Premier League season. It's just cheap and easy material now to to you know basically attacking with on social media. So, um, you know, for that, he's got no one to blame but himself, really. So um, very poorly timed interview. And, and and then, as I say, you know, what he's saying, which for him, I'm sure was, you ask me a question, I'll give you an honest answer. This is what I feel, this is what I think. And maybe that is refreshing um, and has been refreshing, but in the context of a team who are failing on the pitch, um, I don't think it's doing him any favours now. What's the song you say it
0: best when you say nothing at all? Is it that? Is it, maybe that's maybe that's where no city. Don't sing it. I'm not going to sing it now. Things are depressing. E- enough. Everyone will turn off if I start singing it. But I mean, I'll, I'll read you that quote in more detail. The one that, that we're talking about here uh it says i've been very clear when i signed uh, that earlier contract that i'd leave in june 2022 because i wanted to have some time away dealer and michael didn't want me to leave so i said listen there's only one thing which matters to me in this negotiation it's not about money titles or kudos the only thing i want is a chance to go and achieve a dream and my dream is climbing mount everest before that i'm going to need some pockets of time off and then of course he went on to say if 90 percent of me isn't enough it's fine because i'm ready i'm um, already ready to walk out of the door. I'm ready for the next stage of my life. Um, But they wanted me to stay and I'm incredibly grateful for that. I mean, Adam, I don't necessarily think it's the mountaineering that Norwich City fans are upset about. I, I think it's, or maybe angry about, annoyed about, whatever. I think it's the fact that, as I said to Paddy beforehand, if a player comes out and says this, whether... 90% The 90% thing is in context or whether it isn't if there's any illusion or any suggestion context or without context that they're not giving their all I mean that is about as damning as you can be for a footballer it's about as bad as it can get for a footballer to say that so the fact that this is the person as Paddy said that everything flows into even if it's not the case and even if it isn't true that his workload has dropped off it's that perception that Paddy spoke about isn't it that's the issue that Norwich City fans have it's not the climbing Mount Everest bit of it that, pe- that people are getting wound up about it's everything surrounding that I, I-, I would say
2: Yeah I'd, I'd have to agree I think you know most Norwich fans I remember go back to the AGM when when he announced that he was going to stay and I think most fans actually had quite a positive reaction to that and, and felt that you know he's obviously he's quite a vocal figure um, quite a few times he's, he's upset Norwich fans by things he said but Whatever you know, whatever he settled and and done, I think you know most Norwich fans could probably agree that he has transformed the club from, you know, a bit of a mess where financially they were pretty unstable. And whether you like the fact that Norwich had just sort of got this mantra of being a stable club, at least you know your club safe in good in, a, well, in good and, and safe hands, and he's sort of I'd say the main the main reason for that. But yeah, when it when you get someone who is is the main figurehead in the club coming out and. It just sounds like they don't want to be here um, or their heart's maybe not in it anymore. Uh, and it may be, I mean, as a fan, you've got to feel that maybe it does need to be somebody new that's got that little bit more energy, more more of an appetite and, and wants to come in and almost do what Webber's done in and get them back to the Premier League. But obviously what Webber hasn't done is, is recruit for a team that's able to stay in the Premier League. And, and it's probably that's where you know a lot of fans' frustrations is... is well mainly at. I mean, he's come out at the start of the season and said that, you know, he's given given them a chance this time with a tank and grenades and everything and ultimately it's, it's Norwich are in the same boat as where they were two years ago with a team that didn't have £70 million of injection. So, yeah, I think maybe his time has come to an end and he maybe doesn't want to be here. I think you know, the problem is if he's back in next season in the Championship and he does get Norwich back up, it does the perception of fans change again? If he gets a recruitment right in the Championship, but ultimately, then if they go back up, if he's not feeling that he's capable of building a team that's able to stay in the Premier League, maybe it is better that they change it this summer and get someone in fresh. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer ahead and I'm not really getting the vibes from Stuart Weber that he, that he wants to be part of it, even if he has agreed on a rolling contract to be part of it.
0: Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, I was, I was sat in the room when, I heard Stuart Webber say about Emi Bueno, he didn't want to be here, so he got rid of him. See you later, mate. I think was the exact quote that, that he said. And like I said, that probably isn't the context of these quotes, and, and context is important, and uh, it does matter. But I think Norwich fans feel like these are the words of someone who feels that the club owe them something a little bit. The club owe him something. Uh, and that's never really a good position to to be in do you, do you think that assessment of how some fans feel is is a fair reflection on the basis of of this interview
1: well i think fair or not i think that is the, the perception now I keep talking about perception but there are fans who prior to this interview we'll we'll look at the, the sort of the climbing element and and um, and just think you know is he fully committed is he fully on board now you know he's committed I'm sure he's committed I mean it's still a massive part of what he, he's all about but it doesn't define him I mean I think there, there was a quote there about I, I don't want to be Stuart int- introduced at weddings as Stuart uh, he works for Norwich City my, my life has to have more meaning from that and it's kind of this and we've had that vibe from him you know we've sp- you know, not maybe not interviewed him in terms of the formal sense since Leeds, I think it was, um, but we've been in and around him uh, on occasion, and uh, I think we've remarked on that he, he he's not the same man who you know when he walked through the door first off, and he had this drive and this hunger and this energy. Um, you know, to a frightening degree, really. It was all-consuming. All that's probably the best word I can think of, or the best phrase. It was a recession, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. It was It was just, uh, this This man is unlike any other you might have encountered in football. That He's just, um, you know, for his age as well. I mean, he, he's still young now, relatively, but at that, at that age as well, to be taking all... All that on his shoulders as he did, and and drive Norwich forward from a position of incredible weakness, sort of financially, in you know, the state they were in, the football, the the squad, the decaying squad, the decaying facilities, um, and and to bring them to where they are now, um, you know, if it was to end today, you know, that still would be a testament to his work and, and his legacy. But you yeah. know, football, as he himself likes to say, it's not it's an infinite game. It, there's no end point to it, and and it's not enough now for Norwich fans maybe to sort of, you know, hail him for what he's done. They want him to continue being that passionate advocate and, uh, and zealously driving the club forward to, to reach new standards and set new ground or, 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 you know, establish themselves in the Premier League. That's the Holy Grail. And, um, you know, do you feel he's, he's, he's almost wanting to go all in to try and achieve that? You don't get that sense now. And, um, and these are just manifestations of that feeling, you know, in wanting to sort of go in and achieve something else in his life and and, and even in this in, in latest interview he's talking about, you know, when I when I do Everest that which could be sort of twenty twenty four, he'll be, I think he says, around the age of forty and what next, what could fuel him next? Well maybe a career change. I mean that's if you're a Norwich fan, you don't really want to hear that there's a you know, the guy who's dri- who's supposed to be driving all of this is is kind of already sort of is letting his mind wander to beyond Norwich. You know, you want to hear him talk basically Norwich is the be all and end all and, and I want to drive this club on. And I don't think Norwich fans will be necessarily feeling that now from their sporting director and uh you know, like Adam's point, it's it's very difficult now to see how, how this ends well because um you know that, that fracture is there and um if he's of a mind that Almost, you should be grateful for what I've done now, and and I show me some, you know, more respect to whatever, and and he feels he isn't going to get that. Then, you know, would it be a surprise if he just walks? He's on this rolling deal, so contractually, it wouldn't be an issue with that. You know, if he just thinks, right, okay, I'm not appreciated enough now, or, or, or people really have short memories, to paraphrase old Paul Lambert <laughs> um, back in the day, and uh, you know. What more do these people want? Do they not know what the state of this club was that I inherited and look at it now and if and if that's not good enough and I'm not good enough, then fine, tough. I'll go and um you know see how you get on without me. So I hope it doesn't go down that path, but um it is threatening to go down that path, and of course, you know, we'll probably get into this now, you know, the, the, the alleged altercation after the game as well. That'll do nothing to repair any bridges that are being burnt. No, absolutely. I'm I'm
0: using my philosophy A-level here. I think it was Batman, the great philosopher, who said, do you either, uh, you either die a hero or b- uh, live long enough to become a villain? And it, it does feel a, a little bit like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, Adam, if we move on to, to what happened after the game, um, I think there's... I don't want to... And, and maybe it falls into the acceptance point that... And, and maybe this isn't the fault of anyone in particular, and I'm not naming anyone in particular, but it does feel like... People inside the club, irrespective of what happens, Norwich come up, they go down, they're financially secure. They'll always fill out Carrow Road. The fans will will kind of enjoy the journey. Blah blah blah. I mean, what we saw after the game, which is, a, and, and we must reiterate, a very small section of supporters, but a section of supporters nonetheless, um, making their feelings known as they're completely allowed to do. We, we live in a democracy. Protest is uh, at the minute legal. <laughs> Whether that say the same or not, we'll see. But they've voiced their opinion. Stuart Weber has obviously come out and um we'll we'll kind of get into the nuts and bolts of 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 why he came out and the reasons or whatever he came out. There are some fans on social media, unconfirmed reports that um you know, there was there was maybe him provoking Norwich fans in certain way, although that's that's kind of been denied from people that we've spoken to. So I mean all of this is it, it feeds into what Pad says there. It feeds into this um Fractious relationship now between fans and Stuart Weber, and you often see with a manager when fans turn, it's very, very difficult to get them back again. So I guess the question is, what does he need to do to get them back? Is it possible now to bring fans back on on the side where they are going to view him? Is it just about recruiting well and winning games in the championship and everything will
2: turn? I think, without that video surfacing, there probably was a way back if if it'd have stayed and and built a team next season that was competing at the top of the championship and, and things were looking rosy again then I think this season almost gets forgotten about and, and all everything that's gone in the past. but once you see a video like that and obviously it it goes viral and obviously every Norwich fan up and down the globe and across the world would have probably seen that by now and it doesn 't particularly paint, uh, paint a, a pretty image for any fan let you know let alone norwich fans and Obviously, Stuart Webber's got the mantra of ignore the noise, and you've got to say that has he ignored the noise there? Because he's come out and he's obviously confronted the fans, albeit that we don't know the full context of everything that was being said. But um, it, it does feel like that fracture is is maybe sort of getting almost extended from from that debacle that he's had with fans outside the stadium. I think you know it doesn't it doesn't look good from a. From a club's perspective and I just don't see a way now that he repairs that I mean if you could have maybe got him on a the fans maybe got him and there was a you know more of a sort of I suppose a conversation about their problems and stuff but I think the fact that it's almost boiled down to a lot of um, not nice language and a lot of sort of ranting and, and frustration and I just don't see that changing um, at all and I don't see a way back now for Stuart Weber uh, uh certainly not in in the short term, and obviously that interview is coming out as well. I just think that's stirred the pot even more, and obviously fans' frustrations were already probably a point where they were boiling over the over the top of the boiling point. So the fact that he's come out and done you know done an interview that's obviously you know gone into a a big national paper, and then also then you know at the end of the game con- confronted some fans. I just think yeah, it, it's probably probably gone beyond the point of repair now. Yeah, I mean it's it's a 12 second clip on on social media. So
0: we weren't there. We can't fully put that as uh, as you were used the word earlier in terms of around the interview. We can't fully put it into context or describe for sure what happened. You've you've only got the hearsay of people who were there at the time and this video. I mean the video is it it shows Stuart Webber essentially being pushed back inside the director's entrance by his wife and executive director Zoe um Zoe Ward. There's fans who are I think it's it's fair to say uh calling him certain names that you wouldn't want to be called and and there is a human nature to responding to that and we've spoken to people subsequently who were trying to make the case that he was keen to get away fairly quickly um not because of the game or anything like that just because um he has other engagements I think tomorrow maybe watching a game something along those lines um so there was his car was waiting outside and he was ready to get into that um and this is what this whole thing is, uh, 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 well, this is how it's all come to a head with him trying to get into his his car. That's what we've been told. Whether, as we said, we weren't there, so we can't fully confirm nor deny whether that was the the full case. Only people who can were the people who were there and and Stuart Weber himself. But Paddy, I mean, to round off the whole podcast, really, it just paints a picture of a very toxic football club, doesn't it? And a, and a football club that is at conflict to the people who. Are supporting it and uh, and and in the stands and those people who are running it.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, whether it was a small pocket of fans or you know a mass demonstration, if you've got elements of your fan base going at it with your sporting director, you know, whatever the provocation or whatever language has been used, um, and it, like Adam says, it's uh, it's an absolutely terrible look, and uh, you know, fundamentally. Um, as we we've discussed at length, how how do you how do you heal the wounds when it's got to that level that that it it's almost like they can't have a, we 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 have to assume they couldn't, you know, just stand there and have a a sensible conversation and he listened to their frustrations, he put his points across, and maybe the fans take it on board. You know, if it's got to almost a shouting match. Um, and ignore the noise I think they need to start painting over that sign at at, uh, Colney because uh, the noise will only grow in intensity now and um, you know as we were mapping out I mean it could be obviously Villa next away um, depending on results elsewhere it could be the West Ham game at Carrow that confirms their relegation which would be a very uh, pertinent and painful parallel with what happened two seasons ago when it was a West Ham game that effectively confirmed their relegation. Um, the big difference was, of course, there was no fans in the stadium but at that point, that was the Project Restart era. There'll, there'll be plenty of fans inside the stadium, and you fear now even more gathering around that main stand, director's entrance, should that scenario play out. And, um, you know, it's very it's very hard to see how, how bridges are repaired from this point. Um, and maybe the club will have to think about that moving forward but fundamentally if you can't even have a, you know a civil conversation um, that isn't involving swearing and uh, finger pointing and uh, one director having to, to shove the sporting director back inside uh, then it's very hard to see how you progress and, and I'm sure from the club's point of view they will hopefully package it or will want to package it as well it was just frustration boiling over um, and that frustration um, amongst the fan base at what they've not seen on the pitch and what they haven't seen this season. But, you know, you do fear that this is actually a a, a bigger fault line running through the, the fan base and, and the football club. And, uh, you know, if it is and this is just a, the most visible and graphic representation of it, then it's going to get very bumpy from here, I think.
0: There's an apathy, isn't there? I sensed it in Carroll Road today, understandably so, from, from supporters. And and that's often what they say is most dangerous in football, don't they? It's not the anger, it's not the, the frustration. It's when it reaches the apathetic end of the spectrum, when people uh, uh construct their shoulders and kind of wash their hands with it. And we saw how rapidly Carroll Road emptied. Part of me was was relatively surprised it didn't empty uh, any sooner than it is. And it feels strange that we're kind of sat here after a 3-0 defeat at home, saying... Well, actually, the head coach has probably come out of this better than than anyone, uh, given that interview that he gave earlier in the week, which was of a much different tone his comments post-match which i think actually as you said maybe got to to the heart of some of the issues that fans are, are feeling <laughs> it, it, it feels strange to say it given how much scrutiny is given to to football managers uh, these days but as the uh, i mean we're, we're sitting in a room that has been swarmed with darkness much like Norwich city season so there's a nice parallel there um, but we'll we'll leave the podcast there for this week um gents thank you so much for joining me thank you very much for listening as well we've got plenty more content if you're uh, uh, if you are one for who, who enjoys pain, we've got plenty more on uh, the Pink and Plus app this week. You can get a uh, a month free trial, one ninety nine thereafter. Uh, we feel it's it's pretty good value for money, so hopefully you agree. And uh, you join the little community that's growing on there now. We're we're pretty proud of it, and there is obviously plenty more to come as we begin to uh, end this horrible chapter of Norwich City in the Premier League. We'll see you soon.